Thank you for tuning in. This is the Fit Minute Podcast, where we talk all things health, fitness, and lifestyle. And now for the show. Welcome back. I'm your host, Gabby Mazar. And on today's episode, I have Midge Murphy, the author of Practice Energy Healing in Integrity, The Joy of Offering Your Gifts Legally and Ethically. Welcome to the show today. Thanks, Gabby. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you are an energy healer, healing practitioner, and also um, you were a lawyer previously, uh, which is why you wanted to teach people how to legally and ethically teach energy healing and practice their craft. So why don't you go a little bit into who you are, what you do, and how you got into into all of this? <laughs> okay, where do we start? Well, I think um, where I want to begin is when I earned my PhD in energy medicine, working with uh, Norm Sheely and Carolyn Mace when they were offering that program. And I went through that program um, because I'd been introduced to an energy healing modality called therapeutic touch. And I learned therapeutic touch as the hospice volunteer I'm out of Eugene, Oregon. And that was over 20 years ago. Um, that was my first introduction to energy healing methods. And I just, it was just so natural for me. And I was surprised by that because I was a lawyer working, def you know, definitely working in that left side brain. And so what happened was when I graduated and earned my PhD, I was really not clear what it was I w wanted to do with it. And then it, things kind of happened, synchronicities happened. And I was had the opportunity to teach um, an eth ethics course and legal course for the Academy of Intuition Medicine, San Francisco. And then I realized this was like a over 20 years ago now, that there is a huge gap of information in the energy healing community in that these practitioners are not trained in the ethics of having a healthcare practice offering these kinds of services. They're certainly not aware of the legal issues that are involved in offering your services to the public, whether you're licensed or non-licensed. So I felt like this was really my path of service is because I could walk both worlds. I'm an energy healing practitioner myself and I'm also, a, you know, a business person, an attorney, and I do risk management now. I don't practice law, but it's like I can walk between the two worlds of business and law and regulatory issues and licensing statutes and also the energy healing community. So I felt like I could really bring together my my talents and be of service in this way. And so that's culminated with the book, which was first published in 2015, and then I updated it and expanded it in 2020. Yeah, I think it's really important to, especially in practicing, you know, different modalities. I know in massage, there is a very clear cut, you know, legal and ethical, you know, teaching, you know, you don't touch people in certain ways, you don't act a certain way, you don't do certain things. I mean, you can definitely get in big, big trouble. But in yeah. a lot of other modalities, I mean, when you're teaching yoga, when you're doing personal training, when you're teaching energy healing, or even uh, like sound healing, you know, there isn't really taught how to be legal, uh, uh, ethically sound or, you know, how to do things legally in a way that, you know, you're doing your your business the right way without doing things, you know, on the edge of, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that. You know, we're not, mm -hmm. you're not really taught that. So most people don't know what they should or shouldn't be doing. So, I mean, it's, it's very important to have that information for sure. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. And that's what the book is all about. It's a great resource for energy healing practitioners. Um, there's an exam based on the book and I have several training organizations that certify practitioners in a particular energy healing modality require their students going through the certification process to take the exam. That means they earn a certificate of completion, which is professional credential, and it indicates that they've had some basic level of understanding and competency and ethics and legal issues in the practice of energy healing methods. And I think this is important because what's happened is that kind of the whole field of energy healing is it's the wild, wild west, really. I mean, anyone can hang up a shingle. Someone can go take a weekend workshop and say, okay, I'm trained in this method and I can go open a practice. And so in the past, what I've noticed over the last 15, 17 years or so is that everyone has really good intentions. Someone might experience an energy healing method and think, wow, that was really, really, it really helped me a lot. I want to go help other people. And that's, I honor that. But there's so much more to having a practice. You're a professional, you're offering a healthcare service. You have to understand the dynamics of a therapeutic relationship. So I love the fact that you bring in personal training. I know personal trainers, I have several friends that are personal trainers. They get trained in how to manage the client relationship and not create dual relationships and make sure there's a level of professionalism and good boundaries because when they get crossed, that's when they can get themselves in trouble. So very, very minute. I mean, it's, it's touched on. I wouldn't mm -hmm. say that it is, you know, you don't dive deep into it and it's, I, I don't think that it's, it's really given a lot of effort to say like, this is, you know, these are boundaries you shouldn't cross because I think that that boundary does get crossed quite often. Mm -hmm. You know, that client trainer relationship gets crossed a lot. I mean, been in this industry 15, 16 years, and I've seen it more often than not. And, you know, you have to have that business relationship. And I think that that's not really taught for me. You know, I have a business degree. So for me, that business relationship is very, very important. You know, this is business. This is a friendship. These are, this is your relationship. You know, these are boundaries that you don't cross because business is business. And, you know, you have to have that, that legal and ethical boundary from one thing to the other because if you cross that boundary now you're no longer in a business you know practice and you start to see things you know, deteriorate because now you're going out with your mm -hmm. clients and drinking with your clients and sleeping with your clients and <laughs> you know it's it's a it's a very very fine line i mean i absolutely have clients that are my friends don't go, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong but being in this industry for 16 years you have clients that are are people that you talk to every single day and obviously that that line is is different you know people on a very personal level but uh it's it's not given enough thought and enough effort to be talked about as uh, other than just, you know, here's the boundary. This is what you don't do. This is what you do. And okay, good luck. Here's a pat on the back. <laughs> See you later, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I, I wanted to talk about, um, can you explain to me though, what exactly is energy healing and what is an energy healing practitioner and, uh, are, are they licensed? Can states require you to be licensed? Can you dive into that a little bit more? Yeah, let's see. Let's kind of unwrap that a little bit. So <laughs> energy, energy healing methods are really based on quantum physics, which means that, you know, 
everything is basically energy. Quantum physics has taught us that when you break things down at the smallest particles that you can observe, basically everything is energy. Whereas Western medicine is based on Newtonian physics, which is a reductionist model of looking at the body and saying, okay, this is broken, let's fix this. So it's a different orientation in the way we look at health and well-being from an energy healing perspective. Energy healing methods, um, there's kind of, there's a broad spectrum of different methods. And it seems like there's a new one coming out almost every week. But basically, they're either a chakra-based, you know, the chakra system, mm -hmm. if you're familiar with that, the biofield, which is the, the subtle energy fields that surround and permeate the bodies, and there are meridian-based um, modalities such as emotional freedom techniques. I don't know if you've heard of tapping, mm -hmm. but they tap on meridian points so that, that the energy healing aspect of that is, is it's a meridian based practice. And then some, um, some modalities use radiant cir circles. And I think Eden energy medicine may be one of those. So it's really important to understand that when, as an energy healing practitioner, you're not working with the physical body. You're working with the, the energy systems of the body. And when you can help center and get the flow of energy in the bodies to be balanced and, un, you know, and flow naturally. So we have blocked up energy sometimes. And therapeutic touch, when I do a session, I can feel where there's energy is not flowing. It's blocked somehow. And so you work with the flow of energy. And when the body seeks homeostasis, the body knows how to heal itself. So energy healing methods, I think what are so beneficial about them is that they can help the body become balanced relaxed and calm. And when that happens, then the body naturally begins to heal itself. So you're never working on a particular medical issue. That's not, you're not, you're not licensed to do that. And so it's important to kind of understand that you're really working with the energy systems of the body and not the physical body. Now, what happens is if you're working with someone's energy system and it gets rebalanced and blocks are removed and the energy is flowing, then the client could actually have some sort of physical experience with that. You know, they can feel some tingling or all of a sudden, you know, they're feeling much better and all of that stress is gone. And so there's different ways to look at it, but that's kind of the, the very general way of thinking about energy healing methods. Um, energy healing methods are not regulated anywhere in the United States, except for there are some states that require you, if you do any kind of hands-on energy healing, I'm also been initiated as a Reiki master, um, healing touch, therapeutic touch, eating energy medicine, any of those kinds of modalities where you actually maybe lightly touch a client, maybe you're holding a chakra point or whatever, then th there are some states that require you to be a licensed massage therapist in order to practice and offer your energy healing methods to the public. And so that's a few handful of states. But I think it's important for the listeners to, to, to kind of get a broader picture. Where do energy healing methods fit into the current legal and regulatory system that governs healthcare services? And we really fall under the umbrella of complementary and alternative medicine. And that's a consensus term. I love Michael Cohen's book, Future Medicine. His definition is a consensus term that means anything out of outside of biowestern medicine. So it's a huge group of modalities. It could be Ayurvedic medicine, nutrition, herbs, energy healing. There's just, you know, functional medicine. There's all the indigenous shamanic work that people do. So it's a subset under the umbrella of, of complementary and alternative medicine. Now under complementary and alternative medicine, 
there are some modalities that are licensed in all 50 states. For example, chiropractors, they are licensed in all 50 states. Uh, a second group would be those are licensed in some states, but not in others. That would be acupuncturists. And right now, acupuncturists are licensed except in three states in the United States. And then naturopathic physicians are licensed in some states and not in others. And then you have this kind of this very broad spectrum of unlicensed practitioners who are not subject to regulation. And what's happening with the government right now in certain states, they are really beginning to move forward to say, we need to license these folks because people are getting harmed and there is no regulation, there's no credentialing. And I think it's really important to understand that this is, this is a healthcare service that you're offering. And where this all kind of emanates from is actually the 10th Amendment to the United States Constitution. And that gives states the rights to protect the safety and welfare of its citizens. So that's the underlying regulatory value of why we have licensing laws to begin with. I mean, you certainly want your physician to, to be licensed and trained, know they've gone through the school, they've been, you know, they had the residency, they've been, you know, mentored, they passed all their exams, they're competent to work with people as a physician. So it's the same concept with, with energy healing practitioners, especially now, as you know, they're wanting to be more accepted into mainstream healthcare. And that's not going to happen until they get training in ethics and legal issues, number one, and number two, until there's some way to be able to verify the credentials of these practitioners. And there's some really excellent certification programs out there. Some, some are not so good. Uh, you have to be really diligent about, you know, what's, what are the components of a particular certification program if you're interested in becoming an energy healing practitioner. And so, and I talk a little bit about that in my book, what do you need to look for as an energy healing practitioner if you want to become certified um, and what to avoid? Weekend workshop, I would avoid that. You're not going to be a, a competently trained energy healing practitioner if you read something on the internet or you take a weekend workshop. Yeah. I, it, you know, it, it makes me think about, you know, when I became Pilates certified, well, actually let me take it all the way back to when I was uh, personal training certified, you know, that is, I just took an online certification. Now I actually have, you know, I have a business degree and also an exercise and wellness degree from ASU. So I do have a background in both of those things. I do have an education in both of those things. So when I actually did go to get my NASM certification, I knew all of those things. I had to do an internship for a semester. I had to work with a personal trainer in a gym. You know, I chose who I worked with. I worked on nutrition. I worked with exercise. So I knew those things. But knowing that there are people that go into personal training that do just take an online certification and have never worked in a gym, have never worked with people, that's a scary thought. It's it is. It's a scary, scary thought because you can really really injure somebody. Now going forward to, you know, your my Pilates certification, most Pilates certifications are about a year long. You take a year long training certification. You have to have a, uh, about four, 400 to 550 hours um, of either observation, um, actual teaching hours, and um, I can't remember the other, but you have to have 450 hours. Doesn't matter, yeah. regardless. <laughs> you know, so you're you are hands on. You are hands on. You are being taught. You are teaching. You are working with clients. However, there is no there is no legal 
you know, standings. There, there are no legal um, standards for the certification. So you could go to, you know, a, a national certification, an international certification, or Joe Schmo down the street that just put up a certification that, you know, they just want to make some money. So you really have to know who you're going to, what you're going to, what you're learning, and and really be educated on those things. And it is also important. I do I do agree that the states really should have regulations on these type of things. And being licensed is very important because you can go into any gym or any studio and get hired. Oh, not any studio. I shouldn't say that. There are a lot of places where you can get hired and not be certified. So, you know, being an energy healer as well, you know, you can walk down the street and you could say, I'm an energy healer and let me do this. And oops, you touch somebody and there you go. That's it. You're done. You know, you've now touched somebody the wrong way. Even if you didn't, it doesn't matter. They may have uh -huh. felt you did. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a legal issue right there. That's, you have to know, you know, when I'm in the classroom, I know who I can touch. I know if I say, you know, do you care if I touch you? Can I move you? Is it okay? You know, I, I you always ask first or mm -hmm. you know if you're you can touch somebody if somebody's comfortable with that. You always have to have to know your audience and who you're working with. And and that's a scary thing because it, you know, people can sue you. They can take everything from you, your business, your home, everything. So it's it's important to know to know who you're working with and what you're working with and be educated on those things. And, and I think licensing is very, very important. Yeah. Well, I think too, with respect to that, that's a great comment about the fact is if you're a person who wants to go take a Pilates class or you want to work with an energy healing practitioner is find out what their credentials are and really do your due diligence. Um, it makes a huge difference. And the other risk, because otherwise, yes, you are, you could be subject to a lawsuit from an unhappy, upset client uh, for a number of reasons. There's not just the fact that you maybe have inappropriately touched them, sure. at least that was the perception of the, of the client. The other issue that light, unlicensed energy healing practitioners face is the risk of being charged with practicing medicine or psychotherapy without a license. Mm -hmm. A lot of these energy healing practitioners use words like, oh, come here and I'll help you with your anxiety or your phobias or your depression. These are all DSM-5 psychological disorders. And as a general rule, only licensed mental health care professionals can offer those kinds of services. So as soon as you put that on your website or you tell a client that, then you're very, you have a red flag over your head and you could be charged with practicing medicine or psychotherapy without a license. And that's a crime. Now they're not going to throw you in jail, but they're going to shut your practice down or they're going to want you to come into compliance. So I think that's another legal issue that's aside from that you have to be worried about the client being unhappy and getting a lawsuit filed against you for that purpose, but also a licensing board or the Federal Trade Commission coming after you for misleading advertising on your website. So there's there's a lot to think about and to be aware of yeah. in order to have a you know a business and a practice that you're that you're wanting to offer to the public. So well, along with that, you have to be aware that you cannot diagnose. You know, you can't diagnose people. And you know, for us, for myself, you know, I can't diagnose somebody saying, Oh yeah, you have herniated disc. I can say you may have. 
I would go see a doctor. <laughs> I am not a doctor. This is what it, it sounds like. It could be this. It could be this. It could be this. Go visit your doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to play it safe on this, but you know, I can never diagnose somebody. I can never tell somebody I will heal this. I can't tell you right. that. Yep. I can say, you know, I'm, I will be careful of this. I can work on this. I can help you get more flexible, but healing somebody is never what I do because you, one, you don't know what ailments they have necessarily. Mm -hmm. Even if you do, you, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a practitioner, so I can't heal anybody. I can help you along your journey and I can work with, you know, a chiropractor, I can work with a PT, I can work with your doctor to help you on your journey to get there, but I can never diagnose you and I can never tell you I can heal you. I know we did a long, long time ago, we had somebody that said um, that this woman was so upset. Oh, I mean, this was God probably 10 years ago, mm. you know, so-and-so said she could heal this. And I was like, never happened. Not, it wasn't me. It was, it was somebody mm -hmm. else that worked with us. And I was I never, not ever would, would this person ever say that because that's just, you don't do that. We, you know, it's just mm -hmm. something you can't do because. Well, yeah. And the only true healer is the client. I mean, right. you don't even, you should not even use the title of healer. Right. You, that that right there, you are practicing medicine without a license. So I always call myself an energy healing practitioner, but I also make all kinds of disclosures about what that means. Mm -hmm. And, and that, you know, I'm not treating or diagnosing or anything. So there's certain words that energy healing practitioners should never use. And treatment is one because the treat, the prescription is if you're offering treatments, you're offering some kind of licensed healthcare service. You know, obviously we just talked about, don't ever use the word diagnosis. And of course you can't cure anybody. I mean, that's ridiculous. So, and, and unfortunately there's, there, they are out there. And I think that's why some of the states are really starting to want to regulate. So it can be done in a professional way and in a way that doesn't harm the public because you have some unethical and scrupulous energy healing practitioners making false claims and charging money and ripping people off and doing a lot of damage. So it's important, I think, to bring the level of professionalism up. And so the key components to that is not only be well-trained, but also understand the business side, the legal side, the regulatory side of your business as well. Absolutely. So along with that, uh, what are some essential components to a certification uh, program that you would consider legitimate and professional? So for that could help people to see that or to choose a mm -hmm. cert certification program. Yeah, I love that question because I think this is good for the consumer who may want to hire someone. So for the practitioner, so what you want to look for, there's certain components. One is you've got to be trained in the modality and that doesn't happen over a weekend. So now with the pandemic, there have been ways to train online, coming together occasionally for in-person training. That's very important. So that's one component. The other component is you have to practice. And so you need practice clients. You should have a number of practice clients that are required for certification. And that can vary anywhere from 60 people to maybe more. I think 60 is a good number. I wouldn't go too much below that because it gives you a lot of chance to, to practice and make case notes and have, have those reviewed by the program director. So I think it's important that you have these practice clients and really critical that you have some kind of a mentor or a program director that is watching you and looking at your case notes. This is the practice client. This is what happened. But also they need to observe you. 
So most of the programs I work with, they require that the student um, work with a client maybe online and either film it and then submit the film to the program director to say, this is showing that they really know how to work in a therapeutic relationship with a client and the nuances of all of that. They can be observed. Sometimes they'll do a Zoom call and say they're a surprise client and the student and the program director or the mentor of that student is on the call and walk and to make sure that they really know how to use that modality in a therapeutic setting. The other component is I think it's important for the student to also be experience the modality. So they they should have the experience of working with maybe an advanced uh, practitioner so that they have the experience of the modality as a client and not just as a practitioner or student in training. So I think that's really important. Um, and then they need to be trained in ethics and legal issues and risk management and how to set up their practices. So that's where my book and exam is a part of the core curriculum from some energy healing methods uh, certification programs. It just can be brought in really easily. The school doesn't have to figure out how to do that. It's all right there. So I think from that's kind of the basis I would be asking for if I was a consumer wanting to work with an energy healing practitioner, I would be asking where were you trained? What kind of certification program did you go through? And then I would actually I would Google that certification program or that modality and see what their certification program is all about. So do your due diligence and then ask them, have you had any ethics? And so they say, yeah, here's your certificate of completion. I, I read this book. And I took this exam. So I think that's both for the consumer, but also for someone who's interested in becoming an energy healing practitioner. It's the same criteria that you want to look at in terms of this is a legitimate certification program. So we touched on a lot of this already, uh, a lot of violations and ethical um, things already, but what are some more of the um, things that ethical, or, what are some more of the things that uh, healing <laughs> practitioners should know uh, that would be in violation of ethical standards? There's a whole list. I have a whole list in the book, but let's talk about misrepresenting your credentials making unsubstantiated claims about what you're doing, um, being judgmental of your clients. Um, there's misrepresenting, I would talk to misrepresenting your credentials. There's, if there's contraindications as to you don't feel good that day and you know it, then you should cancel that appointment. Um, you know, you have to be a really uh, aware of making sure that you're treating everyone with respect and you're not being judgmental about their, maybe their sexual orientation or their weight or any of these kinds of things. So there's a whole list that you can, um, and I can't think of all of them off the top of my head, but they're all in the book. So I think it's important to, um, to realize that, you know, you could breach the fiduciary duty. You know, you, maybe you fail to respect the identity of a client um, or you invade their privacy. There's so uh, dual relationships are considered unethical, not completely. There's, if you use discernment, then you can certainly have a dual relationship with, with a client. It's, and I have some with my, you know, with my personal trainer, for instance. Um, but uh, by and large, what you want to do is keep a professional boundary there. And, and, you know, in the mental health care field, you can lose your license as a, like a psychologist for entering into inappropriate dual relationships. So the, again, this 
And these ethical violations can lead to legal liability. If you breach a, a client's confidentiality, you say something on Facebook um, or you're in a public setting and you're talking about them, I mean, there's a lawsuit waiting to happen right there. So I think it's important to know that ethical violations can lead to legal liability. Yeah, absolutely. And th there's so many things that I, I think you don't even think about, especially now with social media. That's a big one mm -hmm. because you don't even think about, you know, posting on social media because we do it so often now and everybody's got Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and who even, I don't even know. There's so many uh, who I don't even know what any of them are. Snapchat. I don't know. Is that a thing? Anymore? I don't know. Me neither. <laughs> but, but you, you have to really think about your, your client and who the client is and who you're talking about, what you're talking about and, you know, respecting that client relationship because it's really important and, and you could really offend somebody and, and they might get really upset. And that's, a, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. It's a big, big deal. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, in your book, uh, you talk about um, offering your gifts legally and ethically. Uh, can you touch a little bit more about the book, uh, talk about it and how it can help uh, practitioners to better their business? Yes, I think what's important, it's a great resource because I really go over in detail, what are the core ethical principles in having an energy healing practice? So what does it really mean to be client-centered? And to really understand that concept on a very deep level, you know, you need to know about the fiduciary relationship, and that's that's to, that's the trust that your client puts in you. It's a legal doctrine as well, and I think it's important also to understand what the core legal principles are that you need to be aware of, like negligence. If you harm a client or they accuse you of harming them, that's a negligence lawsuit. Or if you misrepresent what they were going to expect from working with you, then there's another lawsuit. It could be misrepresentation or fraud. You could breach their confidentiality or, or um, invade their privacy. We just mentioned that. So there are a number of legal concepts that you need to be aware of where you are vulnerable if you're not following and understanding these concepts and how you, those legal concepts can end up in a lawsuit. The other uh, stuff I do is also talk about not every person who walks through your door is going to be an appropriate client for you. So there's a whole chapter on how do you assess and determine whether or not that person is a good candidate for the kind of work, energy healing work that you do. And that's critical because you bring in a client that is not self-reliant, who is kind of flighty or is, got, is just not centered, they can, that you can do them a lot of harm. And so it's really important to understand and how to work with people when they're, they're in a, a slight state of uh, different kinds of consciousness. Because I know a lot of these energy healing modalities can place you in sort of maybe a very sort of meditative state or in a different kind of consciousness, an altered state. So you need to be aware, make sure that they're safe, that they come back and they're safe and they're ready to like be back out in the world. So that's a really important concept and I talk about that in the book. There's also um, a whole chapter on marketing and websites, which is huge. What titles to use, what titles not to use, what you need to be aware of with Federal Trade Commission rules and regulations about using testimonials on your website and claims of curative ability. These things are covered. And then one of my favorite parts is I talk about that the relationship between the practitioner and the client is sacred. 
and I call it a sacred contract. And that was based on my work with Carolyn Mace years ago when she wrote the book, Sacred Contracts. So I took that information with her permission and kind of created this concept of a sacred contract between the practitioner and the client and how archetypal patterns, if you're aware of them, can really influence and help you be a better practitioner. So I go into that quite quite a bit. So it's really about, you know, you wanting to step up to be a better practitioner because when you have these skills and you have an understanding about all of this, then you're you're a better practitioner and you can be in better service to the clients that you want to serve. Absolutely. I, I agree with all of that. I think that is so, <laughs> it is so important. I mean, you, you want to be the best that you can be. That's why you're, that's why you're doing what you can, that's why you're doing what you do. Why wouldn't you want to do it ethically? Why wouldn't you want to do it legally? Why wouldn't you want to provide the best that you can for your clients? If that's what you're mm -hmm. going into this in the first place for, especially when we're talking about energy healing, especially when we're talking about health, mental health, physical health. I mean, that's, it's, it's all wrapped up to it, wrapped up into it as even, even when we're talking about ethics, even when we're, when we're talking about legality, because if you're crossing that line, you're crossing that line to the client, whether whether you feel you are or not, they might, and they mm -hmm. might not know that they're crossing that line either, and you might, so you have to set that boundary. Exactly. That's really what we talk about, the power differential, and I go into that in great detail about there's, there's a power differential, and this comes out of the mental health care field. Um, inherent in any therapeutic relationship. And basically that is you as a practitioner have more power than the client. And so they're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And how do you manage that? And how do you make sure you empower your client and dis don't disempower? And so that's really important. The nuances of making sure that you're really managing the power differential in their relationship is critical. And I go into a lot of detail about that because to me, it's, it's absolutely essential. And where there's, when you, when you violate that, then there's, there's a lot of harm that can be done to the client, unfortunately. So, yeah. yeah. So if somebody wants to find your book, uh, how exactly would they find it? Well, the book is on Amazon, the print book, and the Kindle version is also on Amazon. You just go to Amazon and there it is. Then okay. the PDF version of the book is available only on my website. And the exam based on the book is only available on my website. And my website is very simple. It's just midgemurphy.com. So that's, that's different ways that some people want a PDF, some people want the hardcover, but you can get that at Amazon um, and it's easy to order that. Awesome. Well, I will have uh, both of those. Uh, I will have the book from Amazon posted on my show notes. I will have your website posted in my show notes. Um, so everybody can find that um, right. if they are looking for that. And is there anything else you wanted to leave our listeners with today? Any words of wisdom or Deep thoughts. Well, I, I just think that where we're moving in terms of our healthcare is really an integrative, holistic model. And energy healing methods can have a great benefit to the health and well-being, the mind, body, spirit of people who are looking for health and well-being. We're redefining it. It's not just about taking a pill. And sometimes we need those pills. Sometimes we need the surgeries. But I think it's important to that we can really step up and be integrated into the mainstream healthcare field, because then I think we can help so many more people. I agree. Well, Midge, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. I think what you're doing is great. And I think it will help a lot of people uh, to better their business and their practice uh, and to reach more people in a 
more ethical, legal, and better way. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Gabby. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. If you want more information on the book that we talked about today, Practice Energy Healing in Integrity, I will have that in my show notes. And if you want more information uh, on the podcast or on my Destination Fitcations, you can go to destinationfitcations.com and we will see you all next week. Bye.